0: We are in a series called, Wait, What? And what we're talking about is the idea uh, of some amazing things in the Bible where when you hear about it, you go, wait, what? Like, I can really overcome my anxiety? Yeah, you really can. You can really overcome your a- anxiety, okay? I can, I can really hear from God? Like, wait, what? And yeah, you can really hear from God. I can really understand the Bible? Like, Old Testament and New Testament and, man, 1500 years of authorship, I can really understand that? Absolutely you can. And this one might be the most crazy of them all. It might be the uh, kind of what sparked the idea of the whole Wait What series, and it's this. Wait, what? I can control my emotions? (laughs) Yes, you can absolutely control your emotions we have a perfect example in scripture his name's Jesus now just so I'm really clear I'm not telling you to deny your emotions nor is scripture scripture doesn't say deny your emotions scripture doesn't say you shouldn't have any emotions scripture doesn't say wait you felt what oh you should feel ashamed or bad what I'm talking about is the idea of controlling your emotions And treating every situation like Jesus would. So you can have grief, 100% you can. Can you have um, uh, uh, anger? Yes, the Bible says you can, love, all these different things. You can have them all. But it's just, can I control them? Or maybe a better statement would be, can I manage them? And you can. You know, back uh, a little while ago, uh, several years ago, we had, Living Spring had a fireworks booth and uh, we had it for several years, and uh, so, uh, <laughs> anyway, so we, we had the fireworks booth, and it was on, um, and again, for those of you watching online, and you don't even know Garden Grove, I'm, I apologize, but it was on, Gar- uh, on Trask and Magnolia by the In-N-Out Burger, so everyone here knows what that is, I'm sorry you don't, um, but just saying In-N-Out Burger got me super hungry right now, uh, so, so it faced Trask, while uh, it backed up on, on Trask Boulevard, making a left or right on Magnolia or going straight or whatever, and so uh, one of the evenings, um, uh, an SUV had pulled in front and left like a little gap, and so this BMW k- comes into oncoming traffic and like sneaks in right there, right, and so uh, I'm like, you know, I'm like, okay, and then honking, honking, and then apparently they both know sign language, so they were like, doing I, I. I was like trying to figure out what I don't, I couldn't, I couldn't do it anyway. So, um, so they both were, were signing to one another. And then the one guy got out of the SUV, the one that had been, I guess, cut off. He was stopped. So it didn't really matter. But uh, he gets out and he was just an enormous individual. Like he, he looked, did you guys ever play? This is my generation, Gen X. We used to play this thing called punch out. And yeah. And there was this bald bull was the, the name of the one that you get to like at the end. It was that dude, that's, that's what the video game was based on, this dude, bald, huge, and he gets out of, his, uh, out of the SUV. And then the, this other dude in the BMW gets out of his SUV. He's like 150 pounds, soaking wet, carrying a bag of wrenches. Like, he's just this tiny dude. And I don't know if any of you were at, at the fireworks stand at this particular time but you'll remember the story and so the guy the little guy comes out and he's just like like this he's scrappy i i i was, still wasn't sure right and then the the other guy bald bull gets into that old man's stance <laughs> it's like it's like oh we're going to fight aren't we like you know, i i couldn't understand horrible irish accent but 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 that's what it was and i'm like oh my goodness this is happening i scrambling for my phone and so he's, he's going like this, and the other guy kind of gets into a more modern, like, you know, you want some of this? So I can't do it very well, because I'm frightened of fighting. And uh, so then the little guy reaches into his back pants. Now, I know I should have been thinking about Bald Bull and his safety, but I'm like literally in a box of explosives. <laughs> so if gunfire goes off or whatever it is, so I... I was just like, oh, oh, no. Well, he didn't have anything. He was just faking. But the bald bull goes, you want to shoot me? Go ahead. And I'm like, what? I don't think he knows how physics works. (laughs) (laughs) Just because the guy's 150 pounds. Like, see what happens is, so anyway, so they get in. So the bald bull, uh, the guy goes to get in his car. And then bald bull reaches into the BMW, pulls out his keys, and throws them at the fireworks stand. Yeah, so now I'm like, don't bring that over. Well, I was under a table, but I... <laughs> this is what some of the ladies told me when they went and got his keys. <laughs> and so they, 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 they're going through the thing, so they find his keys, and he, he, the bald bull gets in his SUV, and his, his girlfriend or wife or parole officer uh, was like, stop, stop, and so they all, they leave. And and then the BMW guy, you know, he's completely humiliated. So he screeches off like he's going to go find him. But I'm sure he just made a U-turn and went home, changed his pants. But um, so what happened? What happened? Well, I can tell you some things about bald bull uh, that uh, is true for everyone. He has a brain and his brain is built just like yours and my brain. There was nothing wrong with him. He wasn't, I'm not assuming he had some mental disorder. He has all the same brain stuff you and I have. I know that about him. I also know that if this is the way he handles things, all of his relationships have a lid. They can only get so much. That's, you can only get so far. So he's probably surrounded by friends, maybe a spouse, maybe a girlfriend, maybe family members that all walk around going, I do not want him to go, oh, Irish man on me, right? So everybody's walking around on eggshells. Here's another thing I know about this man, is that Jesus was in the car with him when this all went down. And that Jesus was involved in manufacturing this guy's brain. And that Jesus loves him very much. And so if you are someone who's having a difficult time managing your emotions, oftentimes that can come with some shame. It can come with some confusion. It can come with a sense of uh, I'm, I'm out of control. And what I'm here to say this morning, and hopefully through the word of God, is that you can go, wait, what? I can, I can actually control that? Because here's another thing I know about that man is that he can change. And he might have already changed. That might have been his lowest moment. I might have witnessed the lowest moment of that man's life where he came to his senses and he went you know what I can't go on like this anymore he might be walking around gets cut off and he's like hello you know how are you doing who knows who knows so it's under those premises that I'm gonna go move forward and kind of show you what his brain looks like it looks like our brain as well it's probably hard to see maybe you can see it up on that one but uh, what happens is we experience Uh, situations either we watch them or they happen to us and all that data there's so much data man God's creation is just mind-boggling of how everything works but you have your eyes that bring in all this data, and it, it, all that data goes to your thalamus, and your thalamus is decided, it's like a, for those of you who are networking, it's like a switch, and it goes, I'm gonna send this data here, this data here, this data here, I'm gonna discard this data, because there's no way you could possibly think about all the data that's coming in. Well, the thalamus, when it has an issue that it thinks is a threat, it sends it to this amygdala, and your amygdala, when that happens, basically grabs your adrenal gland and rinses it out like a ShamWow it just goes like you just get flooded with adrenaline cortisol starts going you just have all these stress hormones because the way God created you was to survive so that if you were out remember we didn't all have uh, Netflix okay so we, there was like animals and tribes and all this stuff and God created us to have the survival instinct with our amygdala to go is that a threat is that, do I fight do I flee like what, what do I do so uh, that's what happens, and then your, your fr- prefrontal cortex or all this, and if there's any doctors out there, you can correct me with a strongly worded email. That's okay, I'm doing the best I can. Your prefrontal cortex, that's the part that goes, okay, wait a second, what, what are we doing here? Like, like you, didn't, you, ever, you ever watch something on TV and it flashes and you're like, oh my gosh, you know, you thought a baseball comes at the lens or something? And your prefrontal cortex goes, Wait, I'm watching TV. Nothing can fly out of the television. That's the whole process. Well, what happens is that your amygdala can sometimes take over and sever, not literally sever, but but just practically sever the the signals from your prefrontal cortex. And so some people call that uh, an, an amygdala hijacking that it takes over. And you can read a book by uh, a guy named Goleman who wrote Emotional Intelligence. He talks all about it. Uh, but that's, that's what happens. And this is your brain. And so you think to yourself, "Well, man, how do I stop this little tiny thing in my brain from taking over and, and just kind of making me react, making me go crazy and doing all these things? And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning because the Bible addresses this, not specifically with the amygdala, but with this idea. And what happens is Jesus comes on the scene and he's about ready to teach everybody. And he says this, repent for the kingdom of God is in your midst. Now, when we think of repent, if you've been a Christian for a long time, or maybe you've been around religious people, when you think of repent, you think of confess your sins. You think of shame. You think of, oh, I've done something wrong. I need to now come forward with my bad things and give them to god and that's repenting and that's part of it but repent the word just means change the way you think change your thinking now think about that it gives us a completely different way to look at it change your thinking for the kingdom of god is in your midst like you don't want to miss this you, you don't want to miss what's going on in the kingdom of God because you were futile or you were uh, off in your thinking. You had another idea. And that's why oftentimes you'll be asked, what were you thinking? If I went to that man a day later, if I went to Ball Bull and I went, what were you thinking? I don't think he'd say you know, well, I was, I, I just really, I mean, I don't know what his logical thing was. I really did think that the bullet would bounce off my chest if he had a gun. Like, I don't think he was really thinking that way. And so this idea that Jesus brings in, and it's basically the whole of his ministry, is change the way you think the kingdom of God is all around you. Why would someone pull in front of me? Jesus is with that man. Lord, why would this happen? And so This is where Jesus is coming from. And then he begins on this whole thing. We're going to look at anger um, the most, just because it's, I I had to pick one emotion or else we'd be here all all day. Um, But but, uh, James Bryan Smith in his book, uh, The Good and Beautiful Life, translates this or explains this repent for the kingdom of God is in your midst this way. Change the way you have been thinking. A life of intimacy and interaction with God is now in your midst. Through all the situations we go that are fight, flight, whatever, all these things, there's an opportunity for the kingdom of God to manifest itself. This is why I talk about the kingdom of God so much. Because it's not a thing of do's or don'ts. It's a thing that says, hey, there's an opportunity here. There's an opportunity here. There's an opportunity here. There's an opportunity to grow closer to your heavenly father. There's an opportunity to become more like Jesus. There's an opportunity to say, you know how far I've come? A year ago, that would have really set me to this level. And now it just sets me to this level. You know, whatever, whatever it is, there's an opportunity in your midst. So Jesus talks about this uh, uh, moving on into uh, Matthew chapter 5, which is a sermon on the mount. It starts with Beatitudes. Uh, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. He's setting up this idea that everything's upside down because we wouldn't say blessed are the poor we never we wouldn't normally say that and so he says this he he moves on from there and he says this you've heard that it was said to the people long ago you shall not murder okay and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment okay so so murder's an action Okay, so don't murder. No, don't go, don't punch people. Don't get out of your SUV, right? Don't do those things. But I tell you, and this is a whole, this starts a whole long list of you have heard, but I say, or I tell you, that anyone who's angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Angry something here. I can be angry with you and you would never know it. I've done no actions. So Jesus begins to say, listen, Stop focusing on these actions and start going backwards to see what triggered that, what caused that, and why are you still dealing with that? I tell you, anyone that who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Now watch what he says. Again, anyone who says to his brother or sister, raka, which just means good for nothing, you're good for nothing, uh, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell a couple things here first of all nobody at your work knows what raka means so you could just kind of for fun just be like what's up raka how you doing man and then you know just a little joke don't do that jesus specifically said not to do that but i just thought it was funny okay so right so raka uh, uh is uh good for nothing so then the question is this so if i say you you fool i'll be in danger of going to hell for saying you fool do you think that's what Jesus was actually saying, that he was talking about heaven and hell, and, 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 and if you say you fool, then oh my goodness, I, I must be going to hell. Or, or is hell, in this case, the absence of the kingdom of God, which is basically eternal hell is eternal absence of the kingdom of God. Hell on earth is absence of the kingdom of God here on earth. And so he's telling you, listen, if you start going down that road THE KINGDOM OF GOD WILL NOT BE AS MUCH IN YOUR MIDST AS I'M TRYING TO TELL YOU CHANGE YOUR WAY OF THINKING, REPENT, THINK OF IT DIFFERENTLY, THERE'S NO REASON TO CALL THEM RAKA, THERE'S NO REASON TO CALL THEM FOOL, LET'S FIND OUT WHAT'S GOING HERE, DON'T EVEN GET ANGRY WITH YOUR BROTHER OR SISTER IN THIS, in this CASE, RIGHT, HE GOES ON, YOU SAY, WELL, yeah, but man, uh, you know, maybe I could be angry, but then I can make up for it with good spiritual practices and giving and serving and all that. And Jesus is like, no, you got to get this fixed first before you even go forward in your, what, how deep you're going to get with Jesus. Watch what he says. Therefore, if you, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and I listen to this, this is, makes it even crazier. And there, remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Like you, you, you're not even in control. But this is so much how much God wants you to be able to get inside your mind and change your thinking. And this will affect everything. It'll, It'll affect how you view the opposite sex. It'll affect how you view your job. It'll affect how you view society and all these things by changing your way of thinking, thinking more of a kingdom, what we would call a kingdom mindset. You remember your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. Don't even finish the transaction of giving. Get this right first. Get this right first. Get it done. You can't just dismiss it and move on with your life. Leave your gift at the altar in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Now, you'd say, but John, what if, what if they don't reconcile with me? What if they still stay angry with me? That We can pretty much, as logical human beings, realize that this is what this isn't what Jesus is talking about, that they have to then, you know, forgive you and all that. He's saying, is this, pre, is this messing with your head right now? Change your way of thinking. Are you obsessed with the way this person is thinking about you? Or are you obsessed with the way you're thinking about them? Repent. Change your way of thinking. The kingdom of God is in your midst. This is an opportunity, he says. So leave your gift at the altar and then go be reconciled. He moves on. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Okay, now it's, now it's ramped up. Do it while you're still together on the way, while there's still time. Immediately, he's saying, like, let's get this done. Let it be top of mind. Reconciliation. Repair. Your adversary may hand you over to the judge. The judge may be hand you over to the officer and you may be thrown into prison. And we already have seen a thing like this or not already, but we will see it again when Jesus has this parable. And sorry, for those of you who are new to the Bible, I don't mean to make it more complicated, but it's this parable of the unforgiving servant. It's basically a story about a dude who had uh, uh, an immense amount of debt and it got forgiven, and then he went after this guy that owed him hardly anything. And so Jesus uses the same language of being thrown into prison. And the idea is that it's prison. (laughs) A a focus on the kingdom of the world, uh, not on the kingdom of God, becomes a prison in your mind because you're looking at fairness, you're looking at control, and you're looking at all these different things. It doesn't have to be that way. And he says, truly I say to you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. This is the same language he uses in the unforgiving servant because all that really needs to happen is for the debt to be canceled. And guess who's in charge of canceling the debt in your mind? You are. Because of what Jesus did on the cross. That opens you up to an entirely different uh, opportunity to be involved in the kingdom of God. We say, you know, I've been forgiven so much. All, this, all of my sin and all the mistakes I made and all the ways I, I begged God for grace. And this person cuts in front of me and I'm like, oh, it's going down right now, right? And I wasn't talking about bald bull. I was actually talking about me. So I, trust me, I'm, I get the same thing. So this is kind of what Jesus sets up and he does it. He does it with adultery. He does it it with a bunch of different things and um, kind of give you the idea that like I want you to move backwards from just the action of sinning of like, don't do this and don't do that, don't do that and go back and go, I'm going to set up a new set of barriers in my mind. I'm not even going to get angry. I'm not even going to be lustful. I'm not even going to be... And I I set my boundaries back there. I, I hope that makes sense. I really do. But that's where Jesus is coming from. So Paul takes this same idea and he, um, kind of expounds on it a little bit. He's writing to Ephesians and sometimes Ephesians can get a little confusing. If you choose that to be a book that you're going to be studying to me, it is maybe not to scholars, but to me, it just seems like one long run on sentence. I mean, just like, sometimes he just keeps rambling and I'm trying to go like, what, 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 what's the subject here? I forgot. And so that's what he does. So if you read Ephesians, uh, (laughs) sometimes it can get a little confusing but like I said last week you can understand the Bible so uh, so listen to this he says so I tell you and insist on it in the Lord I insist on this so anytime Paul is using this language or you're reading this language in Scripture you're like you know um, you know Jesus would say it this way truly truly I say to you right and so he he, he's adding this thing I'm dead serious about this where I grew up, it was, I ain't playing, okay, that's what you would say if you were dead serious, I ain't playing, so, uh, so I tell you this, and I ain't playing in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, now, we all think, oh, he's talking about sinners, okay, don't live as sinners, don't steal, don't, you know, don't do these different things, and don't. so what would you expect the next words to be, I don't, I don't want to live like the Gentiles, you know, or the pagans or whatever. I don't want to sacrifice to idols or do things where I just, I, I just get to have my own way, right? That's, that's, that's kind of what you'd expect. You'd expect things like this. You must no longer live as the Gentiles do with their wild parties. You're like, oh yeah, those wild, I've heard about them, I've never been to one, but I've heard about them and they're wild. But that's, that's not what he says, that's not what he says, he says, uh, you must no longer live as the Gentiles do with their addiction to TikTok, like, oh yeah, <laughs> social media bad, TikTok bad, TikTok, TikTok Chinese, we can't have that, them taking over, right, whatever your thing is, right, so you think maybe that's it, all right. You must no longer live as the Gentiles do with their consumerism and materialism. Oh, yeah, that makes sense, Paul. Yeah, and you're saying it in the Lord. Yeah, you insist on it in the Lord. Yeah, see see how those are all actions? Like, that's what we expect to happen. We expect for Paul to go, don't live as the Gentiles do in their actions, okay? I have one more. No longer live as the Gentiles do with their ungodly voting record right? Oh, those are the Gentiles. You could pick whichever side you want. You could insert it there, okay? It's the same, same thing. That's what I love about our church. We, we kind of stay out of most of that. So, with our ungodly voting record, right? So we, we, we want to pick what that should be. But here's the most fascinating thing that Paul does. He doesn't talk about actions. He doesn't talk about sinning. That comes in the next verse, the next couple verses. He starts with this. SO I TELL YOU THIS, AND INSIST ON IT IN THE LORD, I'M DEAD SERIOUS ABOUT THIS, THAT YOU MUST NO LONGER LIVE AS THE GENTILES DO, IN THE FUTILITY OF THEIR THINKING, IT STARTS WITH THE BRAIN, IT STARTS WITH, WAIT A SECOND, AND I'D EVEN VENTURE TO SAY THIS, FOR THOSE OF US WHO'VE STRUGGLED IN DIFFERENT AREAS OF OUR LIFE, DON'T YOU FIND THAT THIS IS MOSTLY THE CASE? It starts with jealousy, some some jealous thing. It starts of being out of control or feeling out of control. So then I have to medicate because if I don't medicate, how am I going to get through this situation? It starts up here. And what Paul's saying is, hey, man, don't live like that. And I insist on this. Don't be futile in your thinking, okay? And so he goes on, he talks about what that what that brings about. And he just starts naming all sorts of stuff that happened. Not picking on one thing, but just kind of going off. And he says this, that, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ. Now think about that. When you, again, and I'm just talking to those of you who are followers of Jesus. If you're new here and you don't believe that, you're welcome. Don't don't feel uh, like I'm trying to preach at you. I mean, I am, because I, I want this for you so bad, right? But for a lot of us, when we came to Christ, the way of life we learned was a way of peace, a way of restoration, a way of freedom, a way of of, of getting out of our chains of sin, a way of our thinking of going like, you know what, I don't have to be controlled by my circumstances. Ah, man. Paul's saying, look, I insist. Change your way of thinking go back to the way of life you learned when you heard about christ you mean i don't have to be addicted anymore no i don't have to i don't have to live in fear anymore no no weapon is formed against you will prosper no you don't have to worry about that i don't have to worry about trying to eke out a living and get everything i possibly can no no no. he's your provider he's your provider it's okay but you've got to change the way you think. He says, those of you who heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. He's in control. He's king. I say it all the time. You are not created for kingship. You were created for stewardship. You have been given a body. You steward that body. You've been given a certain amount of time. Steward that time. You've been given a certain amount of money. Steward that money. But, but trust me, it's all God's. And he says, just let him be him and you be you. He says, you were were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. Now remember the context. This is all in futility of your thinking. So putting off your old self is stopping sinning. There is a part of that, of course, of course. But it's what's causing you to do that in the first place. Which is being corrupt by its deceitful, what? Desires, not even actions. Just the desires we have. I want to be in control. I want, to, I want to be noticed. I want, you know, whatever. I want to be wealthy. I want to be comfortable. All those different things. To be made new and stop sinning? No. To be new in the attitude of your minds. This is what Jesus wants for you to feel like you are so in touch with another kingdom that all the circumstances that go on in your life on a day-to-day basis and those around you and the things that are completely out of your control, 100% out of your control, you can go, okay, Lord, this is the situation I'm in. I'm doing the best I can. What would you have me do? To be made new, we think, and stop sinning, but it's to be made new in the attitude of our minds. It all starts with that, and to put off the new self, uh, put on the new self, created to be like God, in true righteousness and holiness. So there is a part of putting off the sinning. There is a, high, a holiness, a righteousness. But where does it start? In the mind? How do I change my mind? THEN HE PUTS THIS IN THIS OBSCURE VERSE THAT DOESN'T SEEM TO MAKE SENSE, BUT IT KIND OF DOES, HE SAYS THEREFORE EACH OF YOU MUST PUT OFF FALSEHOOD AND SPEAK TRUTHFULLY TO YOUR NEIGHBOR FOR WE ARE ALL MEMBERS OF ONE BODY, YOU THINK WELL WHERE DOES THAT COME FROM, WELL STOP TRYING TO MANIPULATE, (laughs) Stop trying to medicate. Stop trying to live in the truth. <laughs> live in the truth. Stop trying to avoid, right? And, oh no, everything's cool. No, that's fine. And then inside you're just burning. Like how? How dare you? Or it gets even worse where it's like, you know, what's wrong? Well, if you don't know what's wrong, why should I even have to tell you? Like oh god, like oh. right? You know what I'm saying? Oh, I was just gonna make a joke there, but I'm not gonna do it. Uh, right? For all members of body. And then he goes this: In your anger, do not sin. Okay validating that there's an anger, okay, amygdala gets triggered, okay, and then it's like, I'm not going to just go with this adrenaline cortisol rush, I'm going to engage my prefrontal cortex, and you didn't know all this was in the Bible, did you, it is, it's all there, it's all there, right, And, and don't let the sun go down on your anger, this is so, while you're still angry, this is so great, analyze your day, at the end of the day, how did I do with my mind, how did I do? How did I do as it relates to that? What did I fill it with? What did I fill it with? And then he says this amazing word. He says, and do not give the devil a foothold. Don't, don't just stop playing with this stuff. Don't even give him a foothold. That, that Greek word foothold is just topos, okay? Just top, not topos. don't get hungry on me, <laughs> topos okay and it just means a place so when peter in the garden of gethsemane he takes out his sword and he cuts off the servant's ear i don't know read your bible it's so cool and then jesus puts the ear back on it was, anyway he uh, he says to peter put put your sword back in its topos put it back in its place that's all it means it's just a place don't give the enemy any place in your life you think of foothold i think of rock climbing so i put this up here And uh, this is a shoe. And I just want you to notice, because what I really loved about this picture, look how tiny that foothold is. And yet that climber, because he's good at what he does, or she, oh no, he, oh yeah, he, uh, because he's good at what he does, can just use that tiny little thing. Let me tell you, the enemy's rock climbing shoes are way better than that, and he's a way better climber. You can't give him any, place in your life because when you do he will get a foothold then he gets a handhold Then he gets another handhold and there you go okay and that's what he's saying so in your mind don't give him a foothold now let me ask you this Uh, if your mind is created by God to have an amygdala to have a place where you have to reason very quickly and assess very very quickly And that's supposed to be used for your survival. Why would you engage it on purpose on things you're watching online and things that you're talking about with coworkers, getting yourself all riled up? It's the same amygdala. You know what it'd be like? I love nature shows, right? And they have these gazelles. And the gazelle's whole job is to not get eaten. That's the gazelle's job. You have one job, right? And so you'll see the gazelle and it will be walking around and you'll see its ears, like they're all turning like, like do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do, like trying to hear a lion. It doesn't really sound like that, but it's trying to find a lion, right? And so because when they hear it, have you ever seen a whole herd of gazelle just all jump at the same time? But that's the way they were designed by God. Now, what if that gazelle, had the opportunity to sit on an ipad all day and watch videos of gazelles being eaten and just hitting that, hitting that amygdala hitting that amygdala or what if it wasn't the amygdala what if it was dopamine And the the gazelle just sat there all day just watching videos that make make him feel good and get distracted and all these kind of things. And then then it comes around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And that gazelle's like, I'm tired, man, just go ahead. This is what Paul's talking about. Does that make sense? Don't give him a foothold. Don't give him a foothold. Romans says it this way. As far as it is possible... As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge. Don't get all upset. Try to figure out how to get back, all that stuff, my dear friends. But leave room, leave a topos. It's the same word for God's wrath. God will take care of all that stuff. You don't have to worry about it. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I'll repay, says the Lord. Repent. For the kingdom of God is in your midst. Don't miss out on an opportunity to go, okay, God, you take care of it. I did, I did my best. As the worship band returns, I wanted to go over just some questions you can ask yourself. Um, some, of the, some of the ways to handle your brain uh, are just obvious. Just be in the word every day. It's almost not even worth mentioning because it's just so obvious if you've been a Christian for a long time. If, if you can't read or you struggle with kind of understanding all that stuff, there's so much of the word you can have on, uh, just look it up. You can have it read to you. It's just amazing, but that, it's like a washing of the word. But here are some questions you can ask yourself. The first is, does God know about this? <laughs> you know, something happens. Maybe you're really, you really are offended or you really were taken advantage of. You ask yourself, is, does God know about this? Of course, what's the answer? He does. Okay, so then your second question is, is he angry about it? Well, maybe. If it's an injustice, right? If, he's, you know, if there's a serious injustice. But for the most part, I totally agree. Probably not. When I'm angry on the freeway and I'm like, this is an injustice, then he might go, I say, Lord, are you angry about California traffic? He's like, nah, bro, I got stuff all over the world I'm angry about, but not that, right? right? Would Jesus be angry if you were driving in traffic? Pro- probably not. Well, first of all, he would have gotten up earlier, but anyway. <laughs> Here's another question. Am I trying to be in control of something that I can't control? That'll always make you angry. If you watch on YouTube about politics or crime or things that you can't control it always elicits anger because a lack of control brings fear and fear brings anger so we ask ourselves this am i scared and the question is what am i scared of what am i frightened of would the lord be scared here and then my favorite one is just a science one is my amygdala using my adrenal gland as a punching bag (laughs) is this just chemical for me right now It's a great question. I'll leave with this one quote again uh, by James Bryan Smith, The Good and Beautiful Life. Outside the kingdom of God, we're on our own. We must protect ourselves, fight for our rights, and punish those who offend us. Inside the kingdom, to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Inside the kingdom of God, life is much different. God is with us, protecting us, and fighting for our well-being. Knowing this, much of our anger Will diminish. What we're going to do right now is take a. um, I can even go back to that if you want to keep watching. What we're going to do right now is uh, just take a little bit of time. We're going to end with one song, and um, we have the stage that's opened up. Some people like to come and pray up here, and uh, maybe for you, there's some place that you uh, are angry with someone, or they're angry with you, and you want to just almost as an act of faith, just go, I'm going to lay my gift at the altar right now and uh, and go reconcile. Maybe for you, um, this is the first time you've ever thought about, you know, maybe I should begin following Jesus and you come up and just kneel down and say, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Thank you for dying on the cross for me and I want to start following you. I want to be your disciple. Or maybe it's just something else that's on your heart. There's no... No, I, I like to do it every, every Sunday after I preach just to start my week off uh, with just a, a right renewing my thinking. And uh, otherwise, you can just sit in there. If you're watching online, you can join in with the song or what have you. But we'll take this time. And then when we're done with that, I'll come up and bless us to be dismissed. Well, if you're not standing, go ahead and stand for the blessing. Now in the name of the Father, who created you and loves you very much in the son who died for you and in the Holy Spirit that guides you. I pray you'd go in his peace in his love and in his strength and in his self-control. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.